0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Robert Helms, and we've got a great show for you because we have our favorite guest. It is you. We're taking your letters today. It's Ask the Guys on the Real Estate Guys radio program, and we've got some good ones.
1: As investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com.
0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning in. However you do that, whether you're listening on your personal device as you're working out or driving down the road or listening on traditional radio, it is a pleasure to have you here. We've got a great show for you. Before we get to that, let's meet our co-host, financial strategist Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How you doing? Great. We have just come back from an incredible event, and so our minds and our souls are vibrating in a wonderful way. We've just uh, spent uh, three days Uh, with the whole uh, Rich Dad gang. Absolutely.
2: You know, anytime you get a chance to get around those guys, or really anybody that wants to perform and achieve at a high level, make a difference in the world, it is so invigorating. You know, you just come away fired up, more focused, more dedicated, more ready to go to work, more inspired to make a difference in the world. So I'm excited to be behind the microphone today and... Uh, doing
0: what we do. And uh, we have to get through it quickly because we've got the pack for the Investor Summit at Sea, which is uh, just around the corner. Very excited about that. Before too much longer, a couple of weeks, you'll have all the details for the 12th Annual Investor Summit at C coming up next year. Hey, it's Ask the Guys today. Here's how that works. You guys send in uh, questions, and you're doing so with much more frequency. We appreciate that. Uh, You just go to our website at realisticguysradio.com, click on Ask the Guys, and uh, fire your questions away. And so uh, we have quite a backlog of questions, and uh, we're going to do our best to answer as many as we can. And then we'll do some more Ask the Guys episodes, quite a few, I would say, this quarter because we've got so many good questions. But questions are coming from listeners are great because it, it lets us know what's on your mind, maybe some topics we're not covering in detail. You give us ideas for shows and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, we love that. Uh, Here's the rules. We are not tax advisors. We are not CPAs. We are not attorneys. We do not give investment advice. We simply give ideas and information. And then your job is to take that to your actual advisors and decide what your game plan is going to be. Right.
2: We're, we're Actually, we're not even really all that smart.
0: That's true. That's really true. <laughs> but
2: we do have opinions and we've uh, seen a lot and experienced a lot. So we will do our best to share from our, uh, our wealth of uh, things that we've done right and uh, the Even overwhelmingly bigger collection of things we've done wrong. That's
0: really the key. I mean, if you want to succeed, Tom Watson said, double your rate of failure. And part of what we've learned this weekend is the faster you fail and get the lesson, the better. We went through an amazing process of of learning that failure is not your enemy, failure is how you learn. What has created everything around us in our world that works is people who came before us who have failed miserably and figured out all the ways it didn't work. And we continue to do that today. So we have a ton of mistakes under our belt. And 2 million downloads, so that's why people (laughs) pay attention to us. Uh, Here we go. In no particular order, this uh, question comes from Jesse in Morgan Hill, California. Hi, guys. I'm a 17-year-old high school senior. Investing in business of interest me from a very young age, and I've heard from you guys from my first teacher, Rich Dad. I want to purchase apartments, but I'm worried about financing. Do you have any tips? What can I do to get started? I was thinking of maybe buying a 3- or 4-unit apartment in a good market based on research in the area so I can gain confidence and later make purchases anything could help. I'm serious. I've begun building credit and I've been looking at commercial loans. I want to attend a seminar pretty soon. Real estate guys have a dream of being a real estate investor and I want to learn more. All right. Well, we love when we see youth and enthusiasm and when someone at 17 starts to get the real estate bug, that's awesome. So I think a couple of things. First of all, you're doing the right thing in getting educated and also building your credit. Those are going to be two important things for you. We look at our seven essential investor resources and that covers two of those bases. Now, if you're, already got your eyes on apartments to me i read residential that's residential investing now in the loan vernacular Three or four units aren't really apartments, so Russ is going to talk to you about the two distinctions when it comes to loans and residential properties.
2: Yeah, it's it's basically pretty simple. The Fannie Freddie residential funding that is out there in the marketplace that drives a lot of residential financing is really designed for small properties, and so anything one to four is heavily subsidized by the government. When you move to outside of that, five and up, the government really doesn't play as much, although they do, and uh, certainly a lot more lately, but it's different. And so the commercial lending world is very different from the residential lending world, even though commercial lending in apartments is still residential property. So sometimes it gets confusing because you are investing in residential property, but you're using commercial banks and commercial lenders, and those guys are typically not interested in doing residential one-to-four and vice versa.
0: Yeah, so there's really two categories. There's the one-to-four unit loans, which are a single-family house up to a fourplex, and that sounds like where you're probably going to start and, frankly, probably a good place to start. Then there's the commercial loans, which are five units and above, and so it's just a different set of guidelines. It's it's great, actually, long-term, because when we're looking at larger loans, the banker and the lender are looking at the property a lot more than they are you personally. Now you still have to have credit, you still have to have references, you still have to have rental history, and that's the big thing I see building up by starting small with a three or four unit property. You're building up an experience resume, some rental history, which is gonna be critical.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing you have to understand is when you go into the commercial realm, you're gonna face a different type of underwriting. Again, like Robert said, they're gonna be looking more at the property and the property's income. They're gonna be looking to you and your experience, so you're gonna have to have that experience. The other thing is, is when you go to buy that first property, you're not going to get any credit for the income of the property, uh, at least in the residential one to four space. You're going to have to qualify for that on your own. If you're living at home and you have no overhead and you've got a job and you've got some income, that's great. And once you get a couple of those properties under your belt and you begin to show that on your tax returns, then later on down the road, you'll be able to get that credit. So one of the very first things that you're going to want to do, Jesse, is get together with a mortgage consultant and have them look you and begin to prepare you both from a credit score. They're going to tell you what kind of credit history you have to have and develop, and you'll know what you need to do. You may have to go open up some commercial accounts, take out some loans, pay them back. A credit coach and a mortgage person can coach you through that. The second thing you're going to have to figure out is how much money are you going to have to have cash on hand, and how is it going to need to be seasoned? And seasoned is just how long have you had it. Typically, it's at least two months, and you may need to have it a little bit more. So it's not good enough to say, oh, I've got parents or I've got friends or I've got investors who are willing to bring the money to me. You may have to have it in your possession at least two or three months before you actually get into contract on the property. Of course, presumably you're going to be at least 18 years old before you do any of this because you can't even get into a contract until you are. Uh, but that's a different thing. So get together with the mortgage person right away and understand that, and that's going to be the first part of it from a financial perspective.
0: I have one more idea for you, Jesse, and that is at your age and at your willingness and eagerness to learn, I would get around some folks doing these deals. Busy apartment investors are always looking for help. You find out how to be valuable to that person and just hang around for the wisdom and knowledge that'll fall off. It's, It's great. A great opportunity is to get around guys that are doing it. So you mentioned wanting to come to a seminar. Get out there and go to the kinds of seminars that these kinds of people are going to if there's a class on 1031 exchanges if there's a class on updated loan programs in commercial there's a lot of of commercial brokers and and commercial lenders that do these classes as a way to find business prospects that can be a a great way to go and and to network i tell you what i sure wish i hadn't waited till i was 24 years old to buy my first property if i was thinking that at 17 that would have been something
2: i just want to touch on that jesse and just uh, re-emphasize what robert just said Um, volunteer Be an intern. Find guys that are doing it, maybe professionally or investing. You know, so you could go to work with a mortgage broker. You could go to work with a commercial broker. You could go to work with a property manager. You could go to work with an investor who's doing these types of deals. But just say, look, I just want to hang around. I'll file. I'll answer phones. I'll run errands. I'll do whatever. I just want to be in the environment, build the relationships, get around where the action is, and you will just begin to pick stuff up just by being there.
0: All right. Our next question comes all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. Keith says, thanks again to the guys. Your great book, Equity Happens, recently helped inspire my first 1031 exchange with properties here in Anchorage. My Ask the Guys question is a brief one. Why do so many successful real estate investors have busted credit? Thanks, Keith. All right, Keith. Well, that is a great question and one I find to be very true. Many of the most successful real estate investors I know don't have great credit. Me included. Yep. I'll tell you, from my standpoint, it was pretty simple. When I started really getting serious about investing and ultimately real estate development, I was out to get as much leverage as possible. And I did it really quickly. And, and I went from you know having an average credit profile to being tens of millions of dollars in debt. And when you're tens of millions of dollars in debt, even though it's on real estate, and we might call that good debt... That makes you look challenging to the traditional consumer credit world. Then you add to that what's happened in the last five years with the mortgage meltdown and all the craziness in real estate and a lot of folks who were out there aggressively buying property and even not so aggressively buying property found themselves in difficult credit scenarios. So it is very common. I'd say more common than not that I find someone who is successful in real estate who is not successful because of their credit score but in spite of it. When you're starting out, your credit score is one of the most important aspects that you have. And as you're buying one to four unit properties, you're going to want to capitalize on that wonderful asset of your high credit score if, if you have that. But don't let the fact that your credit takes a ding discourage you from investing in real estate. I'll tell you what, I've been able to invest in real estate for many years with really subpar consumer credit, but it's not all about your credit score. It's also about your credibility.
2: Yeah, your credibility and your relationships and your experience. And, you know, you could almost, uh, Keith, take that word successful and replace it with experienced. So think about it like this. Imagine your credit score is like a brand new car. And you say, well, I don't understand how, how come people who have 200,000 miles in their car, why their car's all dinged up. Well, they used it. I mean, they, they went out and they took risks with it. That's what happens. And, and so an experienced investor is somebody who's gone out in the real world and probably made some mistakes. You know, sometimes they get into a property and it's not just them, it's the marketplace. I mean, if you've ever been in a car accident where you didn't do anything wrong and somebody hit you, sometimes that happens. Sometimes things just happen. It can be crazy things. You know, you can end up making a mistake like you don't have a loss of rents coverage on your property and something happens to your property and you can't rent it out, but you don't have any income coming in. You still need to make the mortgage payment. If you don't know that, then now you have a ding on your credit. Well, you didn't do anything bad. You weren't wrong. You were just inexperienced. You made a mistake. But the great news is you walk forward out of that experience with the lesson, and you don't make that mistake again. The bad thing is, is you carry the ding on your credit score forward. Sometimes marketplaces just completely drop, and you went from a property where you had acceptable equity, protective equity, and next thing you know, you're grossly upside down. You look at the market, and you say, you know what? I could sit here and wait this out for five or 10 years and try to get back to even, but that's a lot of risk to take for no real reward. I'm going to sacrifice my credit score. I'm going to dump this bad property and move on. That's called strategic default. There's been a lot of that that's happened recently. So success comes from experience, and sometimes experience comes from making mistakes. Not every person screws up their credit. But most will at one point or another. And then part of the reason we advocate really learning how credit works and paying attention to it is because you can rehab it quickly. An amateur athlete will go out and tear up his knee or hurt his back or whatever. And if he doesn't know how to take care of himself, it might take him three, four, five months to recover. A professional athlete hurts himself and he can be ready to play in a week. What's the difference? getting good care and knowing exactly what to do to get back in shape so you can get back on the field. Managing your credit scores exactly that way.
0: Excellent question. We have lots more when we come back. It's Ask the Guys today. If you have a question for the Real Estate Guys, go to our website or realestateguysradio.com and click on Ask the Guys. And we love to get questions from listeners. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys.
3: Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out
0: more at realestateguysradio.com. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Home Buyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com Please. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader podcast on real estate investing. Thanks for tuning in today. It's Ask the Guys. Those are your questions and our answers, and we love to answer listener questions. We've got a whole bunch from today. This one comes from Chris in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, I love your show, and I've listened to six already. All right. So here's a a technique. If you want to have a better chance of getting your question answered, start with a lot of accolades about our show. All right. Six. Well, you know, six out of what? 200. Yeah. Uh, Only the most couple of hundred recent shows are there. After 16 years, we got a lot of shows, but uh, all right. You listen to six. So I just bought my first house. I'm 27. I put a sizable down payment on it and have only a hundred thousand dollars left on my mortgage with a good interest rate, three and a half percent at 30 years. I grew up very poor know very little about investing and have always lived well below my means and I want to spend every free dollar buying foreclosures and fixer uppers, fixing them up and then renting them out. I know what it takes to renovate an entire house as I did this with my current house. My current house was also foreclosure so I feel I have a good idea of things to come as far as the buying process. About two years ago, I landed a great job earning $90,000 a year. I have about 30000 in the bank and put about 2500 a month into savings. I would like to purchase my first rent house soon and I've been looking at houses in the thirty dollars to $60,000 range. My question to you is this. Should I buy the rent house with cash or should I pay off the house I live in first then start acquiring real estate? I live in Tulsa and I have seen some amazing deals. I'm somewhat worried the market will come back and those deals will go away. Also, I just can't wait to fix up another house. Thank you for your time. Chris. All right, Chris. Good stuff. First of all, excellent job. Success at 27, buying your first house, putting money away, living below your means. Those are all things that'll help and they're good mindsets to have. But let's talk about a good loan and financing. I know Russ is going to have something to say about this Is our financial strategist.
2: Yeah, I think my first recommendation would be go buy our book and read it because it talks about the effects of leverage uh, on your overall return on investment, uh, equity growth rate, things like that. So that's one thing you want to get your mind around. Money right now in the marketplace is virtually free. Three and a half percent is what you said. I I wouldn't be a fan of trying to dump more money in at three and a half
0: percent. Hold there a minute because, again, he's new to investing. Dump more money in, meaning that if you pay down your loan, you're giving back money that you've borrowed at 3.5%. Don't do that. Right. I don't think
2: you want to do that. You know, you can, you can put the money in, uh, in investment accounts. And if you look around, you know, you can find investment rates where you can actually earn more money on your savings. Now, you may have to go outside the United States to do that, but it's out there. And then you can actually be making more money than if you were to pay the mortgage off or down. And you were going to continue to retain the write-off on that mortgage interest deduction, which makes the net cost of borrowing that money
0: even less. So one of the great tools we have in real estate investment is leverage, and you've got leverage in the house you live in. And getting rid of it by paying down the, the loan seems like a good idea. But do the math, and the math will tell you what to do. You might be much better served if you keep that loan in place because you've already got it, you've already paid and qualified to borrow that money. Keep it there, and that'll give you more cash to invest in rent houses.
2: The the most important important thing is all of these mortgages put your properties at risk. And you have to understand that. And the risk is if you don't make the payment, they'll come after the property. The bigger risk in that is that if there's lots of equity, they're going to come after the property aggressively. So how much leverage you decide to use is going to be determined by how confident you are on the income that is supporting that leverage and how much room you have. So you got a $90,000 year job, I'm assuming you're very comfortably making the, the mortgage payment on your primary residence. If you are very confident in your job and very confident in your ability to replace it if something happened to it, and you're very confident that you would have plenty of time, you know, with your cash reserves to find a new job, then it's probably fine for you to continue to have the mortgage. Financially, based on the math, it's gonna work out way better for you. The same is true with your rental properties. If you feel that the uh, vacancy rates And the demand for rental properties in your particular marketplace is such that the rents are going to remain solid, your occupancy rates are going to remain high. Then having loans on those properties conservatively where you've got plenty of excess cash flow every month coming off the property that you're putting into reserves and then into additional properties is fine. So leverage is dangerous because it can cost you the property. But here's the thing. Any leverage is dangerous, it's not a matter of, oh, if I have more equity, it's less dangerous. To me, the more equity you have in a property, anything less than completely paid off is dangerous.
0: Yeah, so imagine this. You say you have $100,000 left on your mortgage. Let's just say the property is worth $200,000. If you were to borrow more and now you owed $180,000 against the property, I'm not saying you could get that loan, but if you did, a lender who looks at that is going to go, eh, well, it's not really, I mean, there's nothing there for us to go after. Now, same scenario, your house is worth 200 dollars and you only own $10,000 against it. That lender is all over you because they are after that equity. Exactly. This is a different way to think. It's a paradigm you have to go through. We've been taught since we were little to pay off debt. Debt is one of the best tools you have if used prudently and what Russ has just been talking about is using it prudently. Now let's look at the at the rental houses you're talking about. Here's another challenge. These are thirty dollars to $60,000 houses. There aren't too many lenders willing to make loans on thirty dollars to $60,000 houses. Your typical lender today doesn't want to loan less than $50,000 because of the work that needs to go into that and with percentage points charged to the loan. They're not making a lot of money. They'd rather loan you $100,000 than $20,000. Now, you will find some local banks who will do that, but here's the problem. You only have so many loans you can get as an investor, and that number is going to vary depending on who you are and where you are. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, there's 10 loans you can have as one- to four-unit loans before you are what we would call fanny and Freddie'd out doesn't mean there's not other places to go to get capital. There is, but if there's 10 is the maximum, if we take that as our assumption, do you want 10 $30,000 houses or ten hundred dollars houses or ten five dollars houses. Now, the rent has to work. So the point is, there are some real advantages to buying houses for cash. It also makes you a stronger buyer. If I'm looking at $30,000 houses today, I'm not thinking about getting a loan at least until I get them stabilized, fixed up, and rented.
2: Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense. You're exactly right. You know, you don't want to use up those precious Fannie on, uh on small properties and... Cash, again, is your best friend. You know, those properties are going to be properties where if you can go in with cash, you have a competitive advantage. You may be able to get what we call found equity where you can make a deal. Hey, I'm a cash closer. I'll close in two days or whatever the number is, three days, however long it takes for you to get it done. But anybody who's out there trying to find financing is going to be at a competitive disadvantage to you, an owner that wants to dump their property quickly. And typically that's the case when you're looking at foreclosures. You know, you want to get out quick. So down the road, you could talk about refinancing your property portfolio and commercial lenders may take a look at that and we've seen that happen uh, and then the other thing is is it just gives you the opportunity to spread those those fanny freddy loans that you have available to you outside of your area you may decide at some point to expand your horizons outside of tulsa although i've I, i'm not familiar with the market but i've heard good things about it
0: all right chris great question our next one comes from res in los angeles california I'm a college student pursuing a career in graphic design while also exploring other venues – photography, package design, motion graphics, and web development. I became interested in being a real estate agent from listening to the podcast on the topic of careers in real estate. I want to be a part-time agent and use whatever earnings I make to help supplement those passions. I've noticed there was a lot of stigma on being a part-time real estate agent because of commitment issues and other variables. One thing about myself is I'm a hard worker and I won't skip out on customers just because it's a part-time job. My financial goals aren't that extravagant either. I've made twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in one year by being chained to a desk at my previous job. I'm tired of the mundane corporate life and I want to do something different. I know it's a hard field to get into and there are financial repercussions, depending on your skill set, since it's a commission-based income. However, the potential to earn is extremely appealing to me. I guess my question is... Is this goal of mine doable? Are there brokers that'll take a chance on a person like me? Thanks, guys. All right, so good stuff. First of all, I will tell you this. There is a stigma about the part-time real estate agent. It is possible. I did it for many years where I had other interests. And I will tell you, even though I was part-time in my mind, I worked 50 hours a week in real estate. So I was doing two other things at the time because I was also a hard worker and would like to still think I am. But I wasn't full time. It wasn't the only thing I did. There are many part time agents, and the real challenge is. It takes a special person and a special circumstance to be able to successfully sell real estate part-time. Your clients are going to be generally interviewing other agents. And if they're considering full-time agents versus part-time agents, that's just a very difficult situation to be in. So I wouldn't discourage you from it. There's a lot of ways you can help people part-time. I think easier on the buyer side than the seller side. But I I do think you need to be rock solid in your reason to be approaching real estate as a career. It sounds to me like like you have a dedicated, committed, experienced career in the making, and to just completely switch gears and go, oh, now I wanna be in real estate, that's something you gotta think strongly about.
2: Well, what I'm reading here, Rez, is that you're interested in getting closer to the real estate business and earning some extra money that you can invest. And I think you've got some skills that are directly applicable to people who are in the real estate business. If I'm you, I look for a real estate office or a real estate uh, brokerage that you can get involved in and leverage the skills that you have in graphic design to get into the environment and be around those people. That'll be your first step. If you do decide to go ahead and get licensed and begin practicing, you're going to want to be in an environment where you have a degree of flexibility in your schedule. If that's not possible because of how you end up earning your main living, then you're going to pick your broker based on somebody who has the infrastructure to support a part-time person. Some brokers, to answer your final question, are there brokers that will take a chance on a person like you? Absolutely, yes. There are brokers that will hire anybody with a pulse. And a license. And a license. But you want to make sure that you're in an environment where these brokers are going to be willing to support you and recognize that you're not necessarily going to be able at crunch time, and there's always crunch time in a real estate transaction, to be Johnny on the spot with the phone, uh, returning the phone calls or handling the hot items or assuaging the tensions that occur in every real estate transaction. If your broker is willing to take you and support you on that basis, or you can partner with another part-time person who has greater flexibility, there's definitely ways to provide your customers good quality responsive service, but you're going to want to pick your environment carefully based on not only what you want to get out of it in terms of learning and access to deals and financial rewards but also in terms of the infrastructure and support you're going to need to do a good job for your customers because the most important thing you're going to get out of all of this is your reputation. You don't want to blow your reputation in the marketplace by doing a halfway's job for people.
0: I met Russell Gray at a seminar called Jump start Your Real Estate Business that we used to do to teach brand new real estate agents how to become rookie of the year. That was essentially the idea. You don't have to start and spend 10 hard years working up to a full-time income. You can start right off the bat and do that and of course many of the folks there were part-time But the challenge is this. If you have a true eight to five job and you are not available during that time, well, that's when all of the normal real estate practice happens in terms of the title companies and escrow and the banks and and all of that. Realtors, though, generally work in the evenings and weekends. So it is quite possible with a great assistant to be able to work at the time when your clients are available, generally evening and weekends, and have a amazing assistant handle the day-to-day Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 kind of stuff. Now, most part-timers don't think about hiring an assistant. They're like, wait, I'm not even full-time. The most successful part-time realtor I know has a full-time assistant. So just dwell on that for a minute.
2: Well, when I started in the mortgage business, I started part-time. And I ran the company. I started my own company, and I had... uh, I partnered with a guy who was effectively my broker, and he understood my situation, and I had a corporate sales job. But my corporate sales job gave me complete schedule flexibility. So I could interchange instantly. I could make a phone call and handle a mortgage client, and I could turn around and make a phone call a moment later and handle a corporate client. And, you know, I had to keep straight in my mind what I was doing, but it wasn't like I was sitting in an office and people were listening to what I was doing. I worked out of my house, and it worked great. It worked great. But again, the key is is you just have to create a situation where you're keeping in mind all of the responsibilities that you're going to have and all the needs that you're going to have in terms of what you want to get out of it and just organize the situation carefully, taking all those things into consideration. But the fact that you desire to get into the environment and get near where the action is, that's the key. Look for a way to do that. And you've got skills to leverage to buy your way into those relationships.
0: If you have any doubt that you have skills they need, look at some real estate agent websites. Yeah, exactly. Right, the, the winner of website of the year is really rarely in the real estate industry. It's not what they're focused on. So I think you do have a great skill set there. It's Ask the Guys, your chance to ask questions of the Real Estate Guys and our opportunity to answer them. We'll have more when we come back and you'll have a chance to win a prize on Real Estate Trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helm.
3: Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys
1: newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Why is it that in every horror movie, there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs, and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beyourbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today.
3: Hi, this is Lawrence you and Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. Hey, coming up, we've got a field trip to Memphis, Tennessee, one of our favorite markets, and one to Belize, two very different markets with two exceptional investment opportunities. And you can find out more on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on Events and learn how you can hang out with The Real Estate Guys and check out our real estate market. Before we get back to your questions, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia your chance to win a prize by knowing today's trivia question. You've been asking us questions all day. It's time for us to ask you a question. When you hear the question and think you know the answer, here's what you do. Send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, your mailing address, and the answer to the question. Because if you win, we're going to send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing, While Supplies Last. We are dwindling in our supplies of books, and that's going to be a big story in a few weeks. So anyway, that's what you're going to do. You're going to listen to the question. As soon as you think you know the answer or want to take a guess, send us that email. Now, last week on the Real Estate Guys, we asked this, name the smallest province in Canada. In terms of both land and water area, there are provinces and territories in Canada, but what's the smallest province? And lots of folks knew this. The answer is the province of Prince Edward Island. Here's our real estate question for this week Nobody really knows where the largest cuckoo clock is in the world, but several countries boast the highest number of cuckoo clocks that claim to be the world's largest. Which country boasts the most? So, which country, here's the question, follow me on this. What country in the world boasts the highest number of cuckoo clocks that claim to be the world's largest? There's many cuckoo clocks that say they're the world's largest, but one country has more of those clocks claiming to be the largest than any other. If that doesn't drive you cuckoo, I don't know what will. So send your guess, or if you know the answer, wow, get a life, uh, to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. After 16 years, it's harder and harder to come up with real estate trivia questions. But if you think you can answer that question, it could get you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Every few weeks, we love to do Ask the Guys. This is all those uh, letters that stack up from you, the emails that you're asking, and uh, great questions. We're We're really getting some awesome questions, so we want to encourage that behavior. We cannot answer every question, unfortunately, and we don't answer them individually except in rare instances, but uh, we do love to answer questions that lots of people can relate to. Right? If it's a question that you have, there's a really good chance someone else has it as well. Our next question is an email from Jill. She says, what specific things need to be done when you suggest doing your due diligence when investing out of state? Thank you, Jill. All right, Jill. Well, that's a short question with a huge answer. In fact, the answer to that question takes us two days to present uh, in our due diligence class, which is not scheduled, nor are we expecting to schedule it again. But but who knows? It's a, it's a wonderful class in so many ways. It's just really heavy lifting to learn all the things about due diligence. And it's not sexy and it's not exciting. But due diligence really refers to the analysis you're going to do of a property. In, in the real estate guy's world, we kind of open that up to look at two things, market analysis, so due diligence of a marketplace, and then of the property. And you're asking more about the marketplace, so there's a couple of things that jump to mind when it comes to looking at property in a state you don't live in. First of all, states have different laws. And this is true in every country that has states or providences. Every area, you, you'll see the law and the practice vary from state to state. There are states in which from county to county, the practice varies. Like, for instance, in one county, the seller typically pays pays for title insurance and escrow. In another county with a common border, the buyer pays those fees. So part of it is understanding the the market you're in. So the first part of due diligence in a new market is understanding how things work there. And probably the best way to find that out is to talk to a real estate agent that works in that marketplace, someone that is doing transactions, they'll know. But there's a whole bunch. One of the, the first things you're going to want to understand, in the United States of America, there is drastic difference between tenant landlord law from state to state some states are very landlord friendly it is easy to get out non-paying tenants while other states are extremely tenant friendly, and it's almost impossible to get a tenant out even when they have flatly refused to pay the rent for no reason other than default, you can still go six months or longer without having your property back. That's a real challenge. So that's one of many, many things to consider.
2: You know, we, we talk, you start out with, you know, your personal investment philosophy. And so the first issue of due diligence investing in anything is suitability. And the market is a big part of the suitability ter- in terms of is the market giving you the risk slash reward? Reward uh, ratio that you're looking for. And so once you find the market, then you, you know, we talk about getting down to the team and doing your due diligence on a team because the people who are going to be answering a lot of these questions are not going to be the people who are where you are. They're going to be where the property is. They're going to be the people that understand the local real estate practice, your broker. They're going to be, maybe uh, there's local tax things going on. Certainly the property manager is going to be able to answer the property management related questions and how much reserve should you have and what's the value Vacancy really look like? And is the rent real? Because most of the real estate agents are going to kind of puff the rent up a little bit you know, they're not necessarily lying, but they're giving you the rosiest picture possible because they want to make the sale. They don't need to necessarily live with the result. The property manager does. So that's a big, big part of it. And, uh, you know, you're going to need people to actually inspect the property and make sure that its physical condition is as represented. Um, I think one of the most important things that you need to do when you do diligence out of state is go there. (laughs) You got to go there and meet the people, meet the team, look at the neighborhood, get a feel uh, and, a, and it is feel. You got to get a feel for the environment that you're in, and ask yourself, is this really a place that I want to own? And you know, there's that's those questions take us two and a half days on market field trips that we do.
0: So it's a it's a it's a little question with a, a big answer. Uh, here's another thing to think about. Russ mentioned taxes. Property taxes vary tremendously from state to state, and even within states. Property taxes can be as low as a half a percent a year to as high as nine percent a year in the U.S. and maybe higher than that. So that is a big difference between two states that look relatively similar in terms of job growth and so on. There may be a big difference. I think one of the biggest things when you're looking at different locations is the rent to purchase performance of a property. There are markets right now where what you pay for the property compared to what you can rent it for are very favorable to landlords. And there are markets where the opposite is true. Today, there are still markets we can buy below replacement costs. That's not true everywhere and that's changing. So to really get your mind around what the market does, you have to look at what we call the drivers in a market and preferably sustainable drivers what are the reasons that that market makes sense and will continue to make sense is there good job growth are they permanent jobs are there more likely to be more of them is there net migration positive or negative at the end of the day are more people moving in or moving out what are the trends in terms of the major industry drivers in that marketplace so there is a ton to learn and when it is several states away russ has hit the nail on the head you've got to have a team
2: i think one thing too i you know i mean just i'm a finance guy so i work backwards in the mortgage business somebody gives us a loan application and then we go through what's called underwriting which means we double check and look for third party documentation to support everything representative presented. If you tell me you make $100,000 a year, I want to see a W-2. I want to see a tax return. If you tell me you have X money in the bank, I want to see a bank statement. If you tell me you have a job, I need proof of employment, verification of employment letter, and so on. If you were to take a look at just an annual property operating data sheet, which is the cash flow, the P&L on a property, and you were to go down that checklist and say, okay, this person tells me this is the rent's all right, now I'm going to need a property manager to help me validate that, in fact, that is the rent. Somebody says, this is what the property's worth. I'm going to need an appraisal. Uh, if somebody says that this is what the property tax is going to be, then I'm going to need to verify that that is, in fact, what the property tax is in that particular part of the world. If somebody says, this is what the insurance is, I'm going to want to get an insurance quote. And if you just go down that list, A lot of your due diligence will grow right off of that financial statement. Not all of it, because it won't talk about the market, although it will lead you to some things
0: having to do the market, but you'll cover a lot of it just starting with that. All right, good stuff. It's Ask the Guys today. Your questions, our answers. This one comes from Wai Fung in Los Angeles, California. Well, it says LA. I'm assuming Los Angeles. It might be Louisiana, but uh, it's under city, so we'll say it's Los Angeles. Hi, where do you have your investors invest? Who do you work with in Memphis? Is there someone that can contact me? I have lots of questions. Thanks. All right. That's a great question for this reason. We don't have our investors invest anywhere. First of all, we don't have investors. We have listeners. Secondly, although we have sponsors who are great turnkey real estate providers and we go to markets, those are markets that we like. And they certainly are not the only markets to invest in. I think sometimes people get confused when they hear our show or they go to our website and they see there's information on the markets. Those are just the markets we're doing field trips to. In 2013, we're looking at several other markets to start going to. And we just have only so much, so many hours of the day and so many markets we have teams in. So understand, we don't give advice, we don't give suggestions, and we certainly don't tell anyone where they should invest.
2: I think this really actually brings up a, a more important topic. And if you're new to listening to The Real Estate Guy Show and you're out there listening to other podcasts, and this isn't to say anything bad about any other podcast or to say, hey, we're great. It's just understanding the way what we are and what a lot of folks in our space are. A lot of folks in our space are real estate salespeople, they're real estate flippers, They're wholesalers, they're in the mortgage business, and they do these shows to look for clients for themselves we aren't in any of those businesses you know we were in those businesses but the show was never ever part of that and today we're not in any of those businesses except you know some stuff we do out of the country Uh, at any rate the point of the show is about bringing you education information perspectives uh, from all kinds of different people you know when we go through these uh, ask the guys a lot of the ask the guys questions are from people out there who want to promote their product or service through the show which is great and that's why we exist you know because if you're out there there as a listener and you're interested in investing in real estate, one of the things is you need to somehow find a way to get connected to the products and services and resources that you need. So the show is primarily about education. It's about information. It's about introducing you to people who can help you. Uh, And then, of course, it's also for us the opportunity to go out and leverage, you know, kind of who we are with the show to go into marketplaces and meet people. And that's why we love doing the field trips. We love doing the annual summit because sitting behind the microphone is a lot of fun and Robert and I have a lot of fun doing this and answering your email questions is great but when we get a chance to look you in the eyeball face to face and have a conversation over a beer or a, a- a beer, a beer.
0: <laughs> or another beer or, or
2: another beer uh, then it's it's great for us to really you know to to, to learn from you as much as uh, as as much as you learn from
0: us and the rest of the investors what's great about the field trips is it brings together serious people right field trips are thousand dollars they're not free it's not a fly-and-by where some group brings you in so they hope you'll buy something and they they manipulate you into buying our trips are a hundred percent educational even though you'll meet turnkey providers and you'll meet real estate developers it is a very respectful Scenario. It has to be because that's our culture. Nothing gets sold on a field trip ever. After the field trip, if you decide you like the market and the people we introduced you to, go for it. That's great. So, to answer your question, in Memphis, we've got three awesome providers. When you come on the field trip, you meet all three, and you're going to decide who you like, who what, whose philosophy appeals to you, which properties you like, and they're all a little bit different. And folks decide to use one or the other, or sometimes multiple. And so, really, for us, it's not, we won't have anybody contact you. That's not how our show works, right? If you listen to our ads, and that's what they are, their sponsorship of our show, you'll hear about, providers and marketplaces. And I would say, I would encourage you to, to contact those folks because to make it through and get on the air with us takes a bit of work. We're not saying that we guarantee the advertisers, but we are saying you can't just write a check and be on the air on the real estate guys. Every resource in our resource center is someone that we have spent time with. We have gone to see their marketplace, their office. They have given us the tour. We've seen their properties. Again, that's not a guarantee, but that just means that we have spent serious time because our reputation is linked to the experience you have with these people and even though it might maybe shouldn't be We know that happens. And so we are very careful about the teams we select.
2: The stock market is designed to connect people with stocks, and it's very efficient. And because of that, there aren't very many uh, inefficiencies that you can exploit as an investor. The pricing is extremely competitive. It moves at lightning speed. All the things that we don't like about the stock market. When people decide they want to invest in real estate, they're trying to find a way to bridge the gap between education and action. A lot of education comes with an agenda because it's offered by people who have something to sell. What we try to do that makes us different is we really don't have anything to sell. We bring you things that we're interested in. We bring you things that we think are interesting. We look hard to find people that we think are credible that we can connect you to. But as Robert says, we don't guarantee anything because we don't have any control over it. But we are pretty picky. And so it's not a perfect system, but we think in the world of real estate, it's a step up from the way a lot of things get done, and it's, there's still a lot of opportunity for you to build your own relationships. And you know what? If you're out there listening and you've got somebody you're doing business with that you just think is awesome, do them a favor and tell us about them. Because if you think they're awesome, we might think they're awesome too. And we'd like to help uh, share that with the other listeners in the audience.
0: You turn to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More Ask the Guys when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate
3: investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home in the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on Resources realestateguysradio.com.
0: Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me for the Real Estate Guys investor field trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click events. Hi, this is Donald Trump and you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. You can check out our site for lots of fun stuff, and you can ask us a question. When you click Ask the Guys, then we answer those questions on shows like this one. This question comes from Justin. He says, hello, Robert and Russell, after returning from a fantastic event this September in Memphis, my first with you. My wife and I enjoyed reading Equity Happens, are now more eager than ever to grow our real estate portfolio Based on its principles, we're currently digesting a few more books from your list. We continue to learn every day, but I feel we are missing the mentorship piece of this puzzle. We appreciated the story of Pete and Mary Jane that were mentored by Bob after one of your seminars and ushered through reorganizing their portfolio to be even more successful. in equity happens. Page 291, by the way. Uh, We own five residential... He said that, not us. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't know what page. Oh, like you have every page memorized. We own five residential properties in the Omaha area, two duplexes, one single family in Texas, and a vacant lot outside of Jackson, Wyoming. All except the lot, of course, provide positive cash flow, but do not have the appreciation we want. We will soon have $86,000 liquid cash available from a cash-out refi of one of our duplexes. With this, we'd like to accelerate our position, aiming at critical mass. We just aren't sure the best way to invest it. I was excited to learn from the book that you have the Real Estate Investor Development Program, but disappointed not to find information on enrollment anywhere. I plan to attend the syndication seminar. Syndication sounds like an exciting option, though I realize that these seminars are a great place to network. Can you offer some advice on where we can be networked to someone like yourselves that can take a look at our portfolio and offer sound advice? Is your mentorship program still running? Thanks again. We love your radio show and love continuing to learn and grow our real estate. Well, I will tell you that uh, Justin, in fact was not able to attend the syndication event because his lovely wife was giving birth or just had, and we missed the show. So we're sorry that you weren't able to to attend, Justin. Congratulations, by the way. Big big congratulations. Having just uh, spent some time with Mr. Ken McElroy when we asked, Kenny, do you want to do another syndication event? His answer was, absolutely. So look for that to be on the calendar before the end of the year. We're definitely going to do Secrets of Successful Syndication as soon as we can get uh, a date on Ken McElroy's calendar, and that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So, um, syndication is a, is a great opportunity, and uh, it is a great uh, way to accelerate. It sounds, Justin, like you have a really good handle on what your investment philosophy is, what you've been doing, and you've been acquiring property, and you're recognizing that this is a this is a huge key. So many people set out and they want to own a whole bunch of little greenhouses, so to speak, and then you get to the point where you own say five properties, and they're cash flowing a bit, which is great. But are five properties cash flowing enough to make a significant difference in your long term lifestyle if they're not appreciating? This is a an interesting discussion we get with all kinds of investors. I just met somebody this weekend who owns ten houses. They're fanny and freddie'd out, and their total aggregate cash flow from those ten houses is about nine hundred dollars a month positive. And they're saying, "Well, how's it get any better than that? I mean, nine hundred is." fine, but don't I need like a thousand houses before it really starts to stack up? Well, only you know the answer to that. And Justin mentions critical mass, and maybe we want to discuss that.
2: Well, critical mass is the concept that as you are in the accumulation phase of your investing career, meaning you're building assets, you know, the cash flow is secondary. Cash flow in our world is great, but largely designed to control the property over a long period of time. Letting equity happen. Now, you know, we're great friends with Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Group, and their whole thing is all about cash flow. But when you really listen to Robert talk about what they do when they go in with their infinite return strategy is they'll buy an apartment complex. They will fix it up, which we call forcing equity. Once the equity is there, they raise the rents. And that creates even more equity, but it creates income that can be leveraged now through a mortgage to take some of that equity out of the property, the free duplex story, and move it into another investment. So they keep the previous property with it positive cash flowing, although not as much, but they've removed all of their original capital from the investment so that any return they get on that first property is infinite because they took their money off the table and then they go recycle the down payment money like this $86,000 that Justin is talking about having available to go on to the next deal. So critical mass is the idea of doing that so you continue to build up a bigger and bigger pile of equity that you have to invest. But at some point in your investing career, you say, I am done working. I am ready to live off my income. Now I'm going to focus my investing efforts less on equity equity growth and more on cash flow. And that means your markets will change. It means that your investment property types will change. Uh, It will mean the way you finance your properties will change because now what you're trying to do is get maximum yield out of the equity and yield being current monthly payments. Those are two very different things. So some people start investing for cash flow right out of the gate And the problem with that is if that's all they did, even if what Robert did was just go out and do that and not do that refinance and pull the money out and get that infinite return, the rate at which you're able to build your portfolio is much slower. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, you're reading the book. So if you're out there listening and you haven't read the book and it's kind of like your head is spinning a little bit, just go buy the book because the book explains it. So it isn't that we're at odds with him because the core principle is that if you're going to have a bunch of loans out there, you better have the cash flow to cover them. Where people get killed, and I did this myself, I relied too much upon my business to make payments against negative cash flow properties because I took leverage to the extreme, you can really get hurt. So the most important thing about what you're doing, Justin, is to make sure that as you're using leverage, you're doing it at an optimal rate, not at a maximum rate, and that's also a chapter in the book. So I hope that answers the question.
0: All right, Justin, just one more thing. As far as our investor development program, that's really the whole idea of coming on field trips and going to the events that we do. We did run a monthly mentoring program for a long time, and uh, after 10 years, we no longer do the monthly meetings. Uh, All we do now is we do have a syndication mentorship program. So uh, that's really designed to take advantage of what we think is arguably one of the greatest opportunities in real estate today.
2: Absolutely. It really is, and you you could find out more about that when you come to the syndication seminar which is really kind of prerequisite to find out about it but there's so many people out there that teach real estate investing we felt like having the mentoring program was great but we could probably cover most of that with the field trip the events the radio show the book what we really see lacking is how do you go out and get to the next level and that's why we
0: started the syndication mentoring program So very shortly, we've been asking the new dates for Secrets of Successful Syndication. Look for that. Come on out. If you're serious about syndication, you can learn all about how we continue to help people with that. Hey, thanks so much for your cards and letters today. It's always fun to talk to listeners and hear what they have to say. We've got lots more questions, but that doesn't mean we don't want yours. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on Ask the Guys and send us your question. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, we have a real estate rock star as our guest. You're going to dig next week's show. Until then, go out and make some equity happen.
3: This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.